What is up and welcome into the Lockdown Chargers Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade, joined as always by my co-host, David Drogemeyer. And today's episode is brought to you by Visa. Help support your local businesses, whether they're your corner stores, coffee spots, or favorite shops. Local businesses have always been on your team supporting you and your community. Right now, more than ever, local businesses need our support, so let's be there for them. The next time you go shopping, make the right choice and stop at a local business and look for the contactless symbol and pay with a contactless visa to help support your community because where and how you shop matters. Visa, everywhere you want to be, official partner of the NFL. Before we get started, we are two writers from San Diego Sports Domination, San Diego's top sports blog, who have been covering the Chargers now for over five seasons doing our own Facebook Live show, Chargers Domination Live, which airs weekly on Facebook. And now this is our third season as the Locked On Chargers host, bringing you your team every day. What is up, guys? It is Crossover Thursday, and on today's episode, David is going to be joining David Harrison for the Locked On Buccaneers podcast to get into a bunch about this weekend's game against the Bucks. They're going to be talking about Jameis Winston against Tom Brady and the differences of the offense under Brady this season. They're going to talk about Mike Evans versus Keenan Allen because we all know that that heated debate that went on in the offseason after Keenan Allen called them out. We'll also try to find out if there are any shortcomings on this Buccaneers defense that has been really good so far but we're going to start with the news that the Chargers have made in addition to their practice squad adding a linebacker to the team on Wednesday and then also get a first look at what this initial injury report looks like for the Chargers this week a lot of big names on the week already not practicing so let's go ahead and get into it on Wednesday the Los Angeles Chargers signed a linebacker and we also saw some big names on the first injury report. This is Daniel Wade with your Locked On Chargers lead story. On Wednesday, the Chargers decided to add linebacker DJ Bello to their practice squad, filling in a spot that was formerly held by linebacker Malik Jefferson, who was recently activated to the active roster after another linebacker that was brought up from the practice squad, Asmar Bilal, an undrafted free agent out of Notre Dame, had to head to the injured reserve as well. And the Chargers linebacking core has already been decimated in 2020 with injuries and now you get an athletic guy who can fill in on the practice squad and he's a guy that actually has a pretty interesting story he has been around in the nfl since 2017 when he came in as an undrafted free agent to the cleveland browns but his college career was pretty uneven as a three-year player at illinois after redshirting his freshman season in those three seasons at illinois bello only combined for only 13 tackles playing mostly on special teams but as a redshirt senior he decided to transfer to illinois state and there he actually had a very productive season as a fifth-year senior He ended up with 12 games starting 11 of them and led all of the Illinois State defenders with 9.5 tackles for loss and 6 sacks with 2 forced fumbles and 72 combined tackles. He ended up on NFL radars though at Illinois State's Pro Day because he ended up running a 4-5-6-40 and also tested out very athletic on most of the scales there. But in the NFL, Bello has only played in 27 career games so he does have some experience But most of that has been on special teams and he has just 13 career tackles so far in his young NFL career. But the Chargers need depth at the position and now you get an athletic linebacker to be on your practice squad and help the rest of this team out and fill in for some of the guys who have gotten injured. But on Wednesday we also got to see a first peek at what the Chargers injuries are looking like this week. And there were several big names on the week and we have to start with Joey Bosa who is out of practice again on Wednesday and this time it was not only the tricep injury that has 
held him to limited participation in prior week's practices, but also an ankle injury. So we've already seen some of the snaps from Bosa decrease over the last couple of games while he dealt with his triceps injury. Now he has an ankle injury as well and was not able to practice on Wednesday. So we'll have to monitor that and see if he can fully participate later on in the week. But he was not the only big name on the list because two key Chargers offensive linemen are out of practice again with Brian Bulaga and Trey Turner not practicing. Turner did not play in the last game and Bulaga started at right tackle but was injured very quickly and had to leave the game as well as Tyree St. Louis who started at right guard and only played a few plays before he started having concussion-like symptoms and he was a limited participant in Wednesday's practice but another big guy that the Chargers are going to miss this weekend if he cannot play is Mike Williams the Chargers number two receiver who is their biggest deep ball threat on the team and so far this week he has not practiced with a hamstring injury that forced him to leave the game against the Carolina Panthers so another week for the Chargers another week where they have a lot of names popping up on the injury report I'm especially concerned about the offensive line because this has been a patchwork unit that has not been able to get any kind of consistency on who is playing and the two biggest additions Trey Turner and Brian Bulaga have barely played at all in their first three games as Chargers. If the Chargers want to keep continuing to put their rookie Justin Herbert out on the field, they're going to have to make sure they can protect the young player. But we do have two more segments to get into because it is crossover Thursday and David's going to be joined by David Harrison from the Lockdown Bucks. But before we get into that, I need to tell you guys that this football season, get football on your time with NFL Game Pass. You can catch every snap from every game with full replays and see all the plays in just 45 minutes with the condensed games. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle, all in one place. And NFL Game Pass is the only place you can replay every game all season long. You also learn from the league's best players with over 40 NFL Game Pass film session episodes. Go inside the game from a player's perspective as they break down the game's concepts and techniques. Learn from the best like Deshaun Watson, Stephon Gilmore, Devontae Adams, and many more. NFL Game Pass also provides access to the entire NFL Films Archive. Just go to NFL.com slash Game Pass to start your free trial today. NFL Game Pass, where football never stops. I also need to tell you guys that there's any auto part that you need. There's only one place to get it, and that is at rockauto.com. I use them anytime anything goes wrong with my car because I know they're always going to give me the best prices, and chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. Rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody and are reliably low. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in just a few easy clicks and you don't have to search for it because it's going to get delivered directly to your door. All you guys have to do is if you need any auto part at all, just go to rockauto.com right now and you can see all the parts available for your car or truck and make sure to write locked on in there. How did you hear about us box so they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. All right, welcome to another episode of Crossover Thursday. I am David Drogamar, Locked On Chargers, of course, and I am here joined by David Harrison of Locked On Bucks. He is one half of the phenomenal team over there that cover the Bucks. First and foremost, thanks for doing this, and uh, how's everything going over there? Oh, everything's going well so far. You know, can't complain. Buccaneers are two and one. Makes our makes our job a little bit easier when the Buccaneers are winning. 
uh, of course, we're, we're very used to covering them when they're losing as well. So we can do that if that starts to happen. But yeah, it's, it's life's always a little bit easier when the team you're covering is winning. Uh, yeah. And thank you also for joining us. I mean, we, we do this, you know, every week it's a, it's a network mainstay for a reason, very popular with our audiences. I'm sure it is with yours as well. How have you guys been doing over there and, and how do you feel about the Chargers so far? Well, hey, first of all, everything is going great over here. We love the crossovers. It really gives us a, a, an inside view from, you know, an expert on how that team is, you know, that you're about to play on Sunday. You know, the ins and outs, you know, you guys study them year in, year out, month after month. So it's really good to have an expert over there. And we're doing really well. I mean, we've had a really, really great month. Obviously, Justin Herbert uh, join, jumping in to be the starting quarterback has given us a nice little bump. So we definitely appreciate that. And as far as the Chargers, uh, it's been an up and down year, and it's been it's been stupid because the Chargers have been able and could have won every single game they played this year. So very frustrating. But we'll get into that in a little bit. We're going to start here on the Bucks side of things, and hey, a lot of expectations come with Tom Brady and all the weapons that Tam- the Tampa Bay brought in. What is your overall evaluation of just how the first three weeks of the season have gone? You know, I think honestly they've gone about as well as I expected them to personally. I know some Buccaneers fans maybe were expecting a little bit more, especially from the offensive side of thing. I mean, when you when you look at the roster, you got a quarterback like Braid, like you mentioned, you already you already had the wide receivers, two all pro caliber guys in Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, and then you have uh, the, the ultra-talented O.J. Howard, who everybody was kind of hoping maybe this would be the year. I mean, last year was the expected year for him to meet his potential a little bit, uh, but everyone's kind of hoping this year might actually become that season, and then they add Rob Gronkowski in there to, to one, help out, take some of those snaps, participate in the offense, but then also kind of mentor O.J. Um, and then you have Ronald Jones expect to have a breakout year. Of course, the addition of Shady McCoy got a little bit more buzz going about the running back group, and then Leonard Fournette just kind of sent that whole thing skyrocketing. So, I mean, a lot of hype coming into it, and I think a lot of hype that was deserved coming into it, but at the same time, you know, anytime you have a team that has especially a new quarterback, uh, most important position on the team, all that stuff, et cetera, et cetera, there's going to be a little bit of a ramp up, you know what I mean? And I think there's been sure. some growing pains. And I think Buccaneers fans were kind of hoping maybe to not see those growing pains. They were kind of hoping that, you know, maybe the Tom Brady magic would just kind of kick in right away. But even Patriots fans know, I mean, the, the, the Pats didn't always start every single season, you know, as smoothly as maybe Patriots fans wanted them to and still ended up in the playoffs competing for Super Bowls. So I think most Buccaneers fans understand that there's going to be a buildup. The team is two and one. So as they're getting better, they're winning games, which is the most important thing to do. So, no so most of them are being patient, but there are some that are, they're kind of itching to, to see this quote unquote Tom Brady magic. Yeah. Well, I mean, let's talk a little bit more about that offense. You talked about it. You know, I mean, kind of despite all the firepower, you know, the, the offense is ranked 25th in total offense, you know, 27th in rushing and 19th in passing so far. Is that a little bit of a surprise? Uh, I mean, again, to me, it's not so much a surprise as to what's been happening on the field. And I think the rankings are a little bit skewed, uh, just a little bit differently than they normally would be. I mean, we, we've been seeing it all over the NFL. Uh, I think, you know, what they say is the, the, the three highest scoring weeks to ever start a season in the National Football League. So some of those stats are a little bit inflated. Some of them are a little bit underinflated. But I think the Buccaneers are kind of where you expect them to be execution wise. Now, the second half of especially the Panthers game in this last game against the Denver Broncos is really where the letdown has come. You've seen the Buccaneers kind of, kind of firing off quickly, getting on the, on, the, on the scoreboard quickly, even against the Saints in their loss. They scored on their opening drive. So, you know, even every single week uh, in, the, in the NFL right now, the, the Buccaneers, last I knew, I haven't checked it uh, recently, but the Buccaneers are, are scoring, outscoring their opponents more than any other team in the National Football League in the first quarter. 
Now, after that, things kind of slow down a little bit, and that's where I think some of the frustration comes in, again, from Buccaneers fans, and maybe some of that surprises. But, you know, when you, when you look at the, the, the offense as they're executing, uh, again, you, you see a little bit of, of a disconnect between he and Mike Evans sometimes. Uh, he and Chris Godwin have had a, actually a pretty good uh, relationship when Chris Godwin is on the field and healthy. Unfortunately, that's been a problem here in the first quarter of the season. He's going to miss Miller. him on Sunday at all. Uh, Chris Godwin? Yeah. Chris yeah, I mean, Godwin. he did a little bit, but then he <laughs> ended amazing. up leaving with a hamstring injury. You know what I mean? And, and I don't expect him to play this week. Uh, Chicago is probably in doubt. So, I mean, we'll have to keep an eye on that. I, I mean, this week I think it's pretty much written in stone, but we'll have to keep an eye on him for next week against Chicago. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, he and Scotty Miller are doing well. The tight ends finally got involved. So, I mean, there's a progression there. Um, would I have predicted them to be ranked that low? No, I wouldn't have. But, again, I think some of that is a little bit inflated because of just how hot NFL offenses have started. And I think a lot of that has to do with these NFL defenses not getting any live reps until week one finally started. Well, speaking of the defense, that's a great segue into my next question, and that is about the fantastic fourth-ranked Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense. They're turning the ball over like crazy. They're getting after the quarterback at an incredible rate. I think they have 12 sacks already this year. What has kind of been the key to that success? And, you know, does this defense have any weaknesses? If the defense has a weakness, it's going to be in its depth for one. So if they, if they start to suffer some injuries, which uh, cornerback Sean Murphy Bunting left the game against Zember with a hamstring injury, was a limited participant in Wednesday's practice. So that is encouraging. But especially with soft tissue issues, I mean, especially with hamstrings, you know, you never want to get too excited too early. So, I mean, whether or not he plays against the Chargers is still kind of up in the air now. Uh, that being said, that's actually one area where the Buccaneers might have some solid depth because when Sean Murphy Bunting left the field, Antoine Winfield Jr. stepped down into the slot and Mike Edwards came in and filled that safety position that Winfield was, was, was filling as a starter and the Buccaneers defense really didn't have any fall off. But when you look at like the outside linebacker position, especially uh, behind Shaq Barrett, behind J- Jason Pierre-Paul, you've got a guy like Anthony Nelson who has some upside, he's got some potential, but he's, just, he's not ready to carry a starting load right now. So if one of those players, you know, knock on wood, if one of them were to go out, especially early in this game, you could really see some problems. That would actually, I mean, the Chargers would be able to kind of focus on one of those pass rushers and probably win some one-on-ones against a guy like Anthony Nelson, especially with a full workload. And now on the defensive line, too, you have some, some capable playmakers on the defensive line, but none that I would call NFL starting quality at this point. So if they start losing some of their starters on that front seven, that's where their weakness is going to be. And then the youth in the overall defense, especially in the secondary. You know, Justin Herbert obviously is, is a rookie himself, so he's a young guy himself, so doesn't have that veteran savvy just quite yet about how to manipulate defenses and, and defensive backs. But if some of these receivers can start doing some things to manipulate guys with their route running, with their releases and stuff like that, they can possibly take advantage of some of that youth, especially against Carlton Davis, who still has been having a pass interference issue early on in the season, uh, going up against a guy like Keenan Allen, who definitely – has made a career over making cornerbacks look bad and probably has some tricks up his sleeve uh, to try to draw some of those penalties this weekend. Yeah, I, mean, I think we, over here at Lockdown Chargers, we know that Keenan Allen's simply one of the best route runners in the NFL, and we don't really know how many other people outside of the organization or people who cover the Chargers feel about Keenan, but we think that Keenan can line up against any cornerback in the NFL and get open. I mean, that's just that's how much faith we have in him. But let's you know continue on the offense here for, for the Bucks. When I was watching tape on the Bucks and watching their first couple of games, it seems like they loved that dink and dunk with a lot of quick three to five yard out routes and perimeter routes. Is that a, kind of a staple of this uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense? So I don't know if it's a staple of the offense as much as it's a staple of Tom Brady. You know what Definitely. I mean? Uh, that's, that's something that we all kind of talked about leading into the season. 
that the difference between a quarterback like Jameis Winston and a difference like and a quarterback like Tom Brady. Uh, obviously, Bruce Arians is known for his no risk it, no biscuit approach uh, to football. Byron Leftwich has kind of modeled his offense in that uh, in that light and has taken mentorship from Bruce Arians very seriously. So a lot of the Buccaneers play calling will feature deeper routes or late developing routes. But Bruce Arians said it last year, you know, as Jameis Winston was struggling too, he was asked, you know, why isn't uh, why isn't the offense adjusting a little bit for some of these problems that Jameis is having and allowing him to throw the ball shorter? And Bruce said, you know, on almost every single pass play uh, play call, there is a short route. There is an outlet or there's a hot read that can be made and there's an, there's an audible that can be made uh, to give them a short route if they need to have one. It's just up to the quarterback to take them. And Jameis, you know, God love him. The, the dude wants to go out there and win the game on every snap. And that's part of his his draw as a competitor. But it's also part of his flaws as a quarterback. Uh, Tom Brady's a little bit different. Tom Brady's more of a guy that says, you know what, on first and 10, if we can only get two because the defense has everything else covered, fine. We'll deal with second and eight versus trying to fit it into a tight window and get 15 on first down, end up with an interception. And that's, I think, where you're really seeing the difference. The routes were there last year. The opportunities were there last year. It's just the difference in quarterback and who takes advantage of those versus the guys who, who want to go out there and, and, I mean, play hero ball is, is honestly what it is. Yeah, we've seen Hero Ball a little bit too much with the Chargers, with Phillip Rivers, with all of the interceptions yep. that he's thrown the last couple of years. So definitely a big change with Tyrod Taylor and Justin Herbert, although he has made a couple of rookie mistakes. But at the end of the day, what do you think is ultimately going to end up deciding this game on Sunday? Turnovers. I think uh, at the end of the day, I think the, the, the two very good defenses, um, very highly regarded defenses for very good reasons. Um, so I think that at the end of the day, the offense that turns the ball over the least or the defense that can get takeaways more than the other uh, is really what it's going to be about is getting those extra possessions, you know what I mean, and, and stopping, the, stopping the offense in their tracks before they can even get there. I think it's going to be a hard-fought battle, but I really think that's what's going to end. And I know that's kind of a, like a no-duh type of thing, saying the turnover battle is important, but I think at the end of the day in this game, the turnover battle is going to be the key. Oh, I completely agree. The Chargers just came off a game where they gave the ball away four times and allowed their opponents to score 13 points off of those turnovers, which is just completely unacceptable. And Anthony Lynn has said on multiple occasions that it's something that they absolutely cannot have going forward. So I'm sure we'll get into that and a lot more. And we're going to go ahead and switch things over to the Buccaneers side of things with David asking me some questions about the Chargers. And we'll do that right after this. All right, guys, so continuing crossover Thursday here, looking at the week four matchup between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, David Drogemeyer and David Harrison here talking about this matchup here. The Los Angeles Chargers coming in at one and two uh, with a win against the Cincinnati Bengals in week one and then unfortunately dropping two in a row uh, against the Super Bowl champs, the Kansas City Chiefs in overtime, and then the Carolina Panthers last week uh, in week three. And and David, you already kind of touched about it earlier, but this team, this Los Angeles Chargers team, if, if you're stat scouting, if you want to call it that, right? Uh, if you're stat scouting, you're looking at one and two losses against the Chiefs, loss against the Panthers, right? Especially Buccaneers fans are going to look at the Carolina Panthers loss and say, oh, man, this should be a cakewalk. But yeah. these losses are not like it, it's two losses on the board. But, man, they've been some painful losses. And, and, and like you said, they've been games that this team could have and probably should have won in a lot of lights. I mean, the, the, the biggest gap – uh, has been a five-point gap. This team has not played a game with a touchdown margin. Uh, forget the extra point. This team has not played a game that finished with a touchdown margin yet. So these are some tight com- competitions. Uh, the way I see it when I look at the Los Angeles Chargers, and I know I'm not alone, 
penalties on the defensive side of the ball and a lack of takeaways seem to be the two biggest issues plaguing a team that has a rookie quarterback, which is kind of amazing. Now, I know that Justin Herbert has had some issues of his own. We'll get to that here in a little bit. But at least on the defensive side, penalties and takeaways uh, seem to be the biggest bugaboos right now with Anthony, Anthony Lynn's unit. Uh, how do you feel about that? Am I accurate there? And, and what do you think is kind of driving that train? I mean, first of all, of course, I mean, you definitely hit the nail on the head with the turnovers. The, the Chargers have just not been able to turn the ball over at a good enough rate for them to have success. I mean, the defense is phenomenal. And I mean, they really have been doing some great things, especially when teams get into the red zone. They really seem to clamp down and they really, you know, just end drives a lot of the times with field goals. So they have a lot of talent. Um, they've definitely done some great things. But the offense has really been more of the question, you know, just trying to find the consistency, try to find who they are. Uh, but, yes, I, I agree with you. The Chargers are, are just not getting the turnovers, which is really hurting an offense, like I said, who's still trying to figure out their identity. That's something they definitely need to do better at on the defensive side and on offense. They have to clean it up. It's just been awful. Anthony Lynn has been losing whatever hairs he has on his body, <laughs> worrying about how they can get this stat under control. Um, but it's the most important thing going forward. It just it has to be fixed. The Chargers, I think I'm sure they're working on it in practice, but you got to go out there and do it. Yeah, and I mean, what was really surprising as I was researching the Chargers and looking past some other things is that Joey Bosa has actually been – kind of of one of the I don't want to call him a problem but one of the one of the the biggest offenders I guess you could call it it's uh, been in, a problem yeah in this season I mean it had he had a big uh was encroachment penalty right he had a big one last week yep. against the Carolina Panthers that uh didn't you know I guess directly lead to the loss but definitely didn't help matters no it was on a third and three and you know you gave them another first down when it's just something that was it's so avoidable and for Joey he's had three of those penalties already this year. And I know as a pass rusher, you want to get every advantage that you possibly can. You want to get that jump. I get it. I totally understand, but you cannot have this happen because it's impacting games. Penalties kill you no matter how you look at it. It might not do it immediately, but it will do it eventually. And it's something that's really, really put the chargers in bad spots. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure that, that Joey is working on it, uh, you know, adamantly. Uh, something that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense, I guarantee, is going to notice and that Tom Brady is going to try to take advantage, uh, see if he can get a free five yards, a free first down on a third down uh, any way that he can. Um, but something that's kind of someone who's kind of stood out, uh, at least on the stat sheet, and I, I want to get your get your thoughts from an from execution standpoint is I'm going to mess up his name. Uh, Uchenna and Wosu. Yeah. Yeah, you got it, man. Yeah, you got it. So for PFF fans out there, uh, first among edge, edge defenders in pass rush productivity among players with 56 or more pass rush snaps, Joey Bosa is second. So making up maybe a little bit for those penalties, but, you know, the team's still one and two, so maybe not. Uh, to put it in perspective for Buccaneers fans on what that really means, Shaq Barrett is ninth. Jason Pierre-Paul is 36th. And I know that Buccaneers fans fancy this pass rushing duo of Shaq Barrett and Jason Pierre-Paul is pretty stinking good. And I tend to agree with them. Yeah. So for Enchetta Nwosu and Joey Bosa be one and two, I mean, that's a pretty potent package. <laughs> and I know that a lot of Buccaneers fans are going to be curious as to which side of the line Joey Bosa is lining up on. Is he going to go up against uh, the quote-unquote weaker tackle in Donovan Smith? Or is he going to match up more against Tristan Wirfs? I know I've seen him bounce around a little bit here and there. But I think Buccaneers fans might need to to worry a little bit about Uchenna and Wosu as well. Well, and Chenna and Wosu has been waiting patiently for his opportunity to be able to just pin his ears ears back and go after the quarterback. But you had a really, really good pass rusher that the Chargers have had for a very long time in Melvin Ingram, who has been 
ahead of Nchenin Wosu on the depth chart. And I think that's for a lot of the a lot of reasons in the running game. Melvin Ingram does a lot of the dirty work that he does not get credit for in the running game. And he's a phenomenal pass rusher as well. Obviously, that's the calling card. You know, you always know it's Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram. But unfortunately, Melvin Ingram is on IR. And it's unfortunate for Melvin, but it's also a blessing in disguise for Enchenna and Wosu because he now gets his opportunity, his time to shine, his opportunity to show the coaching staff that he can go out there and be just as productive getting after the quarterback. And, you know, to hear that he's, at, you know, tops and, and pressures just makes my heart for, you know, feel a little bit warm. I mean, it's nice because this kid has been working his butt off to just get that opportunity to show what he can do. And now he's starting to do that and he is starting to perform. And as far as the question on where Joey Bosa is going to line up, he's going to line up everywhere. I mean, yeah. wherever uh, Gus Bradley feels like there is a matchup that he can exploit, then here you're going to see Joey Bosa there. He's going to be on the inside. He's going to be on both edges Joey Bosa will be everywhere. I mean, that's why the Chargers have paid him $135 million over the next six seasons because he is that versatile, and he's not just a good pass rusher. He's a phenomenal run blocker as well. He is just a complete football player. That's why he's the highest paid defender in the NFL. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Very, very disruptive. Uh, Carmen Vitale, Buccaneers.com staff writer, was on our show yesterday. Uh, to kind of give us our first look at this matchup and uh, emphatically said, said very similar things about Joey Bosa, just a one-man wrecking crew. That's, that's paraphrasing that a quote, but basically saying, that, you know, Joey's obviously the guy that everybody's got to be able to stand up to. And like you said, he's going to line up everywhere. So everywhere from Ryan Jensen at center to Tristan Wirfs, rookie left, right tackle, and Donovan Smith, the left tackle, but all of you had better be ready to face Joey Bosa because at one time or another, you're probably going to see him bearing down on you. And then, of course, you've got Nwosu who – Right now, I'm kind of I'm kind of likening him to like a West Coast Shaq Barrett because Shaq, you know, same thing, kind of sat in the shadows there behind guys like Demarcus Ware, Von Miller, Broncos drafted Bradley Chubb, and then he ended up having to leave uh, the AFC West to go find his opportunity to step up. Fortunately for Nwosu, again, not fortunate for Melvin Ingram, but fortunately for Nwosu, getting the opportunity to step up and show what he can do with the team uh, that he was that he's been with. So yeah, happy for him as well. Uh, ultimately, though, flipping over to the offensive side of things, um, you asked me earlier what the, the biggest you know factor for this game is going to be. I said I think it's going to be turnovers, and that's where we're going to kind of get to the offense. But first, we got to talk Keenan Allen. Mm. So the offseason, Chargers fans know, I'm sure you guys know, Bucks fans know, we know, Keenan Allen had himself a little bit of a reaction to the NFL top 100 and kind of came at Mike Evans, kind of came at Chris Godwin. (laughs) He didn't really come at Chris Godwin, but he meant to come at Chris Godwin. Uh, Bucks fans had fun with that, with him mentioning the wrong guy on Twitter. Um, (laughs) So listen, I mean, at least for 2020, right? Uh, Keenan Allen again, kind of dropped another PFF stat on everybody. I think, I think he's the sixth rated wide receiver in the national football league right now. Uh, He's got, he's got, you know, I think twice amount of catches as Mike Evans has got about, twice as many yards as Mike Evans has. But Mike Evans has four touchdowns. Now, yeah. granted, he left last week with two catches, two yards, and two touchdowns. I mean, yeah, that, that's kind of a cheap stat there. <laughs> I mean, hello. But he's got four touchdowns. So, I mean, he sure does. David, put on your, your, your best unbiased hat, if you could. Who's the better receiver? If you got to take one of these guys, who's the better receiver? I mean, that's such a tough question because I respect everything that Mike Evans has been able to do and in all the stats that he's put up uh, in the National Football League. He's truly been, you know, a phenomenal wide receiver. But like I said before, I feel like if you line up Keenan Allen against any defender in the National Football League, he can get open. And it's just his right running ability. If you need a touchdown, 
then I think you obviously you're, you're looking at Mike Evans. But if you're looking for a first down or if you're looking to ex- extend the, the play or someone who's going to get hot, who's someone who is an incredible route runner, I think you're looking at Keenan Allen. They both have you know their qualities on why they are superstar players. But I just feel like if it's defender and, uh, and receiver, who's going to get open more, I, I'm going to go with Keenan Allen. Yeah, I mean, both are, are supremely talented wide receivers, but I think you have to say that Keenan Allen is just known across the league as a more polished uh, polished route runner and, and all that stuff. And I think the real kudos to both of them and the real accolade to hang on both of their mantles is the fact that each of them have really been playing with quarterbacks that are, are known for turning the ball over. I mean, Phillip Rivers, Absolutely. you know, maybe hasn't had a 30 interception season, but I mean, Close. I... I made the mistake of putting Philip Rivers on one of my fantasy rosters a few years back, and I learned really quickly that that's not a good idea uh, for those reasons alone. So, uh, yeah, kudos to both those guys for making the career they've had with, you know, some of the quarterbacks they've had, as good as they can be with yards and touchdowns and all stuff. Interceptions obviously take you off the field and prevent you from being able to produce. Uh, speaking of quarterbacks, though, David, you guys have got a pretty good one in Justin Herbert. Yes, he's a rookie making rookie mistakes. Um, I'm going to mess up this name. So from LA Football Network, I know one of your guys is, is attached to that network as well. Uh, Ryan Dirude, Dirude, do you know do you know how to pronounce that name? Dirude sounds good to me. Yeah. So Ryan over at LA Football Network, an article that I just kind of happened to stumble on, uh, was take was writing some takeaways from this weekend's action and wrote the headline: uh, "Justin Herbert is the real deal." And here's what he's going to read, David. I want to get your reaction to this. Uh, this is a quote from his article. It's only been two games, and this obviously is before the third game, right? But the, but the in, but this is a glass half full takeaway, and this kid's going to be special. The stage certainly does not seem too big for Herbert, who finished with another 300-yard passing performance, 71% completion percentage, uh, and in that game, his final two drives of the game were extremely poised. The first ending with a touchdown and the second ending with a failed hook and ladder. So this is following the third game. The hook and ladder was the Panthers game. Yes. Okay, so that's a typo that we found. A uh, failed hook and ladder that would have won the game after beginning a drive on their own one-yard line. I always try to put respect on the name Philip Rivers, but for most of his career, at least the final few years, in the biggest moments, he had a knack for throwing game-ending interceptions. In just two NFL games, three NFL games, Herbert has stepped up in the biggest moments and gave his team a chance to win. Well, He's saying two because it's week three of the NFL. I got it. Okay. We're, yes. we're tracking now. It's two games for Herbert, three for the Chargers. We're all on the same page. But high, pri- high praise for Justin Herbert, who, as you mentioned, has made some rookie mistakes. But what is your, what is your overall uh, feeling of Justin Herbert? I mean, you know, you feel bad for what happened to Tyrod and everything of else. Of course. But Absolutely. do you feel like Justin Herbert's ready to take the helm now and, and start the future of the Chargers franchise from, from today? I think if you look at week one with Tyrod Taylor as the quarterback, you saw an offense that had three or four four and outs, and you had an offense that was very risk averse, which I mean, that's the type of quarterback that Anthony Lynn wants. He doesn't want a guy that's going to turn the football over, but then you look at Justin Herbert and you turn on the tape there and you see a better tempo, a better pace. You see them pick up more first downs. You see an offense that's just moving at a better rate. They're just smoother. And with that being said, I do think Justin Herbert's ready. And it's hard to go back from, you know, an offense where you have a quarterback that throws around 200 yards, and then you have a quarterback that has back-to-back 300-plus yards uh, passing games. And he's the type of quarterback that Anthony Lynn wants in his system. Like Tyrod Taylor, he is a very mobile quarterback. He is six foot six, 236 pounds, but he, he can run. He can extend the play. He can run out of the pocket. He's smooth in the pocket. He can, you know, he's 
finessing it. You you can see him step up. You can see him hold onto a ball and then throw it. You see so see him roll out. It's just that movement ability and the arm strength. You can't teach it. I mean, there's certain throws that he's made, like a, a, a third down throw to Keenan Allen where he threaded it past Tyron Matthew in the Chiefs game was absolutely phenomenal. I mean, there's just not many human beings on earth that could make that throw right there and have the confidence to be able to come in and do that as well. So I was totally against having Justin Herbert play at all this year. I was totally fine with Tyrod Taylor going out there and being the quarterback until we felt Justin Herbert was ready. But then things changed. Tyrod gets hurt. Justin Herbert jumps on the football field and, you know, he shows off some magic. So with that being said, I think the Chargers put themselves in the best position to win football games this year and going forward right now if they have Justin Herbert lining up under center. Yeah, I mean, I like what I've seen from him so far. Obviously, I haven't seen every snap uh, like you, I'm sure, have. Uh, but from the snaps I have seen and gotten to see, he he definitely looks like he's ready uh, to start becoming a full-fledged NFL quarterback. Still some things to work on. Of course, he's a rookie. You know, you don't expect yes. him not to. Uh, but, man, he looks the part, and the Chargers look look like they have a, a solid future with Justin Herbert there if he can stay healthy. And I, I got to tell you, man, I'm a huge fan of Tyrod Taylor, and I look at his career, and I just go, man, the only time he really had a coaching staff believe in him as a starting quarterback. They put too much on him and didn't give him enough weapons. And then yeah, by the time he had enough weapons, people stopped believing in him. And now here he is, you know, he, he went to Cleveland and now he's in Los Angeles. I just kind of feel bad for the guy because I feel like his, his career potential uh, could have been higher and he could have reached bigger heights. Um, and then, you know, the needle to the lung. I mean, come on, man. Um, yeah, that's terrible. Trust me. I, we hated it. I mean, we hate what happened to Tyrod Taylor and, you know, what happened to him in the Browns where he got hurt and then Baker Mayfield takes over and then he's pretty much done with his opportunity. It just, um, it's got to feel like a very sick sensation of deja vu right now. I mean, yeah. with, with the thing happening with the doctor and, and, you know, just to put this out there again, I know I've talked about it with my audience. That is a known complication of them getting these shots before the games. This has happened many times before. Right. It, this is not the first time. So I, I do want to put that out there. Every single one of these medical staffs, they, they've done this. And they also say, hey, there are risks involved in getting these shots. And they tell them, and the player has to either you know, say yes or no. So it happens. And, right. But at the end of the day, it's obviously terrible for Tyrod because Justin Herbert comes in and, and he kind of steals the show. Yeah, he definitely seems to have. So we'll see what the Chargers decide to do moving forward. I, I know that this week is going gonna, is gonna to have some, some big impact on I me. Mean, if Justin Herbert comes out, and plays well against the Buccaneers defense. I mean, obviously Chargers fans and obviously Chargers media and the team themselves want to come away with a victory leading sure. Tampa. But, I mean, Justin Herbert could come in, play well. The Chargers could still, you know, lose, and you actually feel more confident leaving Tampa than you did coming into it because of the way he, he performs against a defense that's been playing very well. So uh, definitely looking forward to seeing what he can do. Um, you, I kind of already answered it for you, David, but I want to kind of flip the script a little bit. And what do you think the Chargers have to do absolutely above all else, either on offense, on defense? Hell, if you want to throw special teams in there, what do the Chargers absolutely have to do in order to beat the Buccaneers in week four? I mean, obviously, it's turnovers for sure. I mean, you, you, I know I hate to steal your answer, but it, it it is. I mean, they have to protect the ball and they have to score touchdowns. They can't They can't score field goals against this team. You know, just because they're ranked towards the bottom in offense does not mean that they are bottom ranked talent. They are they have phenomenal athletes on that side of the football. And, you know, we've already had Tom Brady shred the Chargers on a number of different occasions. So we know what he's capable of doing. 
So it's definitely on the offensive side, score touchdowns, protect the ball. On the defensive side is don't get lulled to sleep with the three to five yard outs because they will take their shots as well. I mean, they only really run to set up the pass. They consistently have ran the ball less, you know, or 10 fewer times than they've thrown the ball in the first three games. So they're only going to use the run to set up the pass, but don't get lulled to sleep. So as long as the Chargers are able to do that, I think it will be a close game and they can put themselves in a position to succeed. Absolutely. And then that actually leads directly into my, my final question for, for this crossover Thursday. Um, friends of the show, my bookie, they've got the Buccaneers opening up as a seven and a half point favorite. We've already talked about it. Uh, the Chargers have not had a game end with with any with more than five point a five point difference in the score, uh, win or loss. You know, I don't know if you're a betting man, but I know that some of our listeners on this network are betting people, and they're probably hitting my bookie a little bit early this week. I don't know if you've got a final score. I don't have a final score prediction yet. But what I want to ask you right now is, do you recommend? the Chargers or the Buccaneers considering the spread seven and a half points. So either way, Chargers could lose Buccaneers could win. But again, you add those points in there and that makes a big difference. I would be really hard pressed to recommend to any Buccaneers fan looking to bet this line and taking the seven and a half points. I mean, I feel like, you know, the, even if the Buccaneers win, having them win by even seven points might be a little bit of a stretch. Again, Chargers are known for, for playing a really close games and the Chargers defense is stout and they're kind of you almost look at, they're almost due for a really good game. And going up against an offense that, again, Chris Godwin's probably going to be out. Uh, Scotty Miller didn't practice today either with his own injury. Mike Evans is still out there. But, you know, behind him, Justin Watson, you know, who knows, against a really good defense, you never know what could happen. So uh, a full touchdown and an extra point uh, kind of feels a little bit too rich right now. But we'll get into final score predictions, I'm sure, uh, on both of our shows as, as the week goes on. All right, well, a special thank you to the Lockdown Buccaneers podcast and David Harrison. I think we got a lot of good insight for this weekend's game. I don't know if I'm necessarily feeling any better about it, but it's definitely nice to hear the perspective of somebody who's very linked in over there. But that is going to do it for today's show. Tomorrow we'll be back with you guys, and John Kegley will be on the show as well as we get into our keys for success for this upcoming game against the Tampa Bay Bucks, and also get into our game and bowl predictions. But until then, make sure to follow us on Twitter at LockedOnLAC and to like the Facebook page LockedOnChargers, as well as subscribing to us on Apple Podcasts or giving us a follow on Spotify. We would really appreciate it. And if you guys want to get your voices on the show, you can call into the Locked On Chargers voicemail line. The number is 323-524-7924. And we try to get every Chargers voicemail on the show. But we'll be back tomorrow with you guys to make our predictions for this weekend's game. But until then, take it easy and go Bolts.